Hey everyone, welcome to episode five of the Solving Problems podcast, where we help you use story to reach more people and grow your church. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Caron. Uh, I am a story brand certified guide. I'm also a website designer and have spent the past almost nine years working in and with churches um, doing exactly what we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, one quick thing, we hit this every single episode. Uh, it's our disclaimers that we're not affiliated with StoryBrand or the StoryBrand podcast with Don Miller. Myself and the guests on the show are StoryBrand certified guides, which means we've gone through training on how to implement the StoryBrand a framework. If you want to know more about StoryBrand, I would suggest picking up the Building a StoryBrand book by Donald Miller. Today on episode five, we're going to be talking about how you earn the benefit of the doubt before people even step foot inside your church. And the truth is that in 2018, 2019, whenever you're listening to this, our culture is becoming increasingly post-Christian. And unfortunately, due to one of a thousand different things, the reputation of the church and Christians is not that great. People think Christians are closed-minded. They think we're judgmental, old-fashioned, out of touch. And worst of all, they think we're hypocritical. Uh, to make things even worse, if you're already uh, not feeling great about yourself, the gospel that we believe is an offensive gospel to people who believe differently because it says that some of the things that we love to do are unacceptable. And it tells us to set aside our thoughts and desires for God's thoughts and desires. It says that we aren't in control and that we aren't the most important. And ultimately, it says that people who don't believe in Jesus will spend eternity suffering in hell. That's not something people really like to hear. But our job of reaching people with the gospel is going to continue to get harder and harder and harder as our culture moves increasingly away from Christianity. So what do we do? Uh, today's episode is all about how we earn the benefit of the doubt. We have to find common ground with people uh, before we tell them about Jesus. It's what Paul did all throughout the New Testament when he would reference the Greek poets or when he would go to synagogues to talk to the Jews because of his Jewish background, things that he did to show people that he cared about them. He met them on their level. So we have to show empathy and try to learn where people are coming from before we could ever tell them about the gospel. For today's episode, we're going to be talking with Wes Gay. If you haven't met Wes, he was in episode one where we talked about how marketing isn't discipleship, but it helps set up the opportunity to disciple others. Before Wes became a StoryBrand certified guide, he spent years on a church staff. And since becoming a guide, he has worked with uh, some of the largest churches in the country and um, is a really great resource and a great friend uh, for how to reach people using story. Today's episode is all about showing people that we care about them as human beings because we believe that for them to listen to the gospel and experience the hope and freedom it brings, we have to reach them on their level. But how do we do that? Well, today we're going to talk about how we do it in three specific categories. Uh, number one, it will be the service we do with people or the outreach ministries that we do. Number two will be the way we communicate online. And number three will be the way we communicate on a Sunday morning once people actually show up to our campus. So we'll bring the dance music back for just a second and then Wes will join us on the other side. Hey, Wes is with us now. Wes, go ahead and say hey to everybody. Hey, everybody. 
Today we're talking about how to earn the benefit of the doubt with people before they ever step foot inside our church. So the first piece of that, Wes, what does it look like to show empathy in our outreach ministries and in our missions? Well, I think we first have to identify what empathy even is, right? I mean, empathy is really letting somebody know that you understand you, you understand them and what they're going through and you empathize with where they're at. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I tell people all the time, that's why empathy is so powerful in communications because what it does is it lets people know that we under, we get it and we, there's a place we can relate. And, you know, empathy is why we have the friends that we do because we pick people who we feel like get us. The people who are closest to us are people that we feel like get and understand us. So that's, we want empathy. We look for people, empathy. We want people to just really feel like they, they see us, they understand us for who we really are and not who they think we are, but who we actually are. So when it comes to service and outreach, I think one of the ways you can do it is not talk about yourself. I worked at a church a few years ago and there was a couple of small groups, uh, adult small groups that loved outreach projects. And they were, they were coming from a good place in terms of they really wanted to help people. The problem was they were kind of old school, and they also saw outreach as marketing. They were passing out flyers to everybody about our church. It's like nobody needs a flyer. Nobody, they're all looking for a trash can now. Like That felt too much like marketing. Right. It didn't really feel like they understood. And uh, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to do events or we want to do outreach and marketing that makes us feel good about ourselves. Hey, we showed the Jesus film to uh, go- people in government housing. Like that's offensive. That's a not- They don't want to see the Jesus film. Um, that's not going to help them. Or I've also that same church, though, we did an event one time where it was designed for uh, people in need in the community. And we had a guy in our church, it was around Christmas, we had a guy in our church who was, he was a legit Santa during the year, or during Christmas, you can hire him for different stuff. And so he came and we had one of our staff members was a really good photographer, so she would take family pictures of Santa Claus, because Lord knows trying to do it at the mall is impossible with anybody, especially if you work all the time, because you're maybe a single parent or whatever, or two parent or two income household, you only time you can go to the mall is when everybody else goes to the mall. So that's chaos. Um, and not everybody looks good. And there's all the challenges of, you know, Santa Claus pictures. And then it was, we had a great meal for them. We'd have stuff for the kids to do. Like it was really about trying to create something that would really help them and something that would really be a blessing to them, not something that would make us feel good. So the first question I would ask in your outreach is to say, is this about the people we're serving or is this about our ego? I, um, Years, several years ago, for a while, worked for a, a random thrift store that sub- provided about 80% of the annual budget for a homeless shelter in town. And um, I remember, and I over, you know, part of the deal, if you're staying at the shelter, was if you didn't have a job, you had to come in and work uh, three days a week. And so uh, I, I got to know a lot of these people really well. And they all dreaded Christmas. Because they would tell me stories like literally one day a church decided they thought it would be really good to go to the homeless shelter and make ornaments with the the people at the shelter, which is fine for kids. But you're talking about grown adults. Like not everybody there had kids. And it was like they're thinking grown men in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are going to make an ornament and decorate a Christmas tree. They all thought it was dumb. I thought it was dumb. And then they would come in, and it was really all. And you know what? I think it was a Saturday. And I remember thinking, I bet that church on Sunday morning is going to just claim, you know, proclaim their goodness of how much they serve those homeless people. It's like they don't need that. 
They need a ride to a job interview. They need somebody to help them pick out a suit at, at a thrift store or at somewhere to help them get dressed for it. Like they need that. They don't need to decorate a Christmas tree and make ornaments. They're adults. Like that doesn't help them. So it's all about thinking through your events, particularly and your outreach opportunities. Are you doing things that serve people? Can you partner with an elementary school to do the blessings in a backpack deal where you bring backpacks of food to kids? Are you um, doing projects where you're helping clean up yards for folks at this time of year where leaves are falling and all that, who folks in your community can't do it? Are you building wheelchair ramps for people who can't afford it? Like, are you doing things that actually matter to people? That's one of the greatest ways to do it is to do projects and have events that actually matter and don't do projects that make you feel good on Sunday morning. Cause then that's not empathy. That's all about you. Yeah, I think one of the ways to, to in my mind, that it shows the difference between true empathy and what do I get out of it is when we do things and don't expect anything in return. Mm-hmm. Like to truly care for people, it has to be without expecting anything from them. And I think a lot of times when we do our outreach, we force these awkward gospel conversations or like you were saying, the flyers or the tracks, whatever we force that. And our, it's the right idea. Like it's coming from a good place, I guess you could say, but it makes the people we're serving think that all we care about are conversions or getting them into our church mm-hmm. and not actually caring about them as people. Sure. And like we don't have to call every single thing we do a ministry because ministries expect you, people to give something in return. Like ministries expect you to come to church or to get saved or to give money or whatever. But if, instead, if we just loved people really, really well and expected nothing in return for it, then what would that do to change the perception of the people about who we are? Sure. Well, and it's, you know, and I'm fine with having it. Let's, you know, we're recording this. It's still October, right? So a lot of churches by now have had some kind of a fall festival, harvest festival, trunk or tree, whatever you want to call it. And that kind of stuff is great for the community because the reality is trying to do that stuff at night is just kind of crazy. And frankly, in today's world, I think people are kind of weird about other folks showing up at their house after dark, right? It's just odd. But if a church was having, and I know churches, I passed a bunch that were doing it this year. You do a big fall festival in the parking lot. You have the bounce houses and the inflatables and the games and all that My stuff. loved one last weekend. Yeah. I mean, there was, uh, there was a church down the street from us that did it on the weekend. Like, it's just great, right? People will come to that. But what you don't do is hand everybody a, uh, a old copy of the four spiritual laws when they walk in or walk into the parking lot, or you don't hand them uh, a visitor card. What you do is you think from a marketing standpoint and say, okay, I'm going to do something that families in our community will love because what do parents want? They want a safe, secure place where their kids can go and have a great time. They wear their cute costumes, get all the pictures, post it on social media. They love all that junk, all that stuff. Excuse me. Some people are like, I don't really care. I just, as long as there's Reese's at the party, that's all I'm caring about. My kid fell out of a bounce house and I laughed. Oh, mercy. Uh, <laughs> did you, did you do a boomerang video where they like fell out and they bounced back? That would have been awesome. It would have been, but I was, I was actually across the bounce house. I just saw him jumping and slowly he started, I couldn't see him. That's Next funny. I know my wife's holding him and he's crying because he just fell out head first out of the, the entrance of it. He didn't get hurt. It just scared him, but that's funny. You know, gone are the days where you do the big crusade, crusades, I think, in churches and you you push people to the altar or push people to make a decision. People want to be led, so lead them. 
help them take those next steps. So design out, design events and our ministry opportunities that dis display empathy without setting any expectation for any kind of additional engagement with people you're reaching and do things that matter to the people you're trying to serve. I cannot stress that enough. I think one of the things that is hard about developing an empathetic culture is that it's the long play. Mm -hmm. It's not the, hey, we're going to get a thousand people this weekend or a hundred people or whatever sure. it looks like in your context. It's like, we're going to do something this weekend and get nothing from it. Mm -hmm. Be okay with getting nothing from it. And then we're going to do something again next month and be okay getting nothing from it. And then maybe after a few weeks, after a few months, people in our community start to realize, hey, this church actually cares about us as human beings. And that's when people start wanting to know more about you because you've proven to them that you're different, that there's something about you. Uh, my church, one of the things that really drew us there is we do um, free oil changes for single moms, widows, and military wives every couple months. It's just one, one of the small groups at our church, that's what they do. Every couple months is they put that together together. Um, they even have done like haircuts and pampering of the women as their oil gets changed. Um, just because we know that people in that situation probably aren't thinking about oil changes or think or have the time to go down and get it done. So that's our way of serving them. And what has happened with that, our church is three years old. Throughout the past couple of years, like people have started coming to the church because of that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like we went and did these big elaborate things. It's just, we served them really well and got to know them and just wanted them to know that, Hey, we love you. And over time that has built into a culture where people in those areas n relate our church, not with the judgmental Christian, not with, the outdated thing that other people think it's they relate us with, Hey, these people actually live what they say they live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about a consistent, we're in a world, uh, churches kind of live in this, the world of the splash, right? It's like every Sunday we're trying to make a big splash, but the churches I think that do that really not only grow numerically, but grow in terms of depth and discipleship and all that uh, are ones that take, take a little bit longer look and don't look Sunday to Sunday, but look month to month, year to year and say, what can we intentionally do to continue serving people, to continue reaching people, continue doing things that are actually going to make a difference in people's lives, not things that we can brag about. And we've got to stop the stuff that we brag about for ourselves about how great it was, because the reality is it's going to do more harm than good in the long run. And, I understand the need for trackable things to go in your annual report to motivate people to give so that you can continue to do these things. Mm -hmm. I know that that's not your motivation of, of doing events, but at the end of the day, the church administrator is coming back to you as a communications director, as a pastor or whatever, saying, hey, we need stories so that we can encourage people so that they can continue to give because we need to make our budget. Mm -hmm. So I get that that's a piece of it, but... And I get that Sunday's coming as well. Um, each week, that's the hard thing about the church, is that each week we have multiple events that we have to do as part of our rhythm. So to think about the long game is a paradigm shift that is really hard for the typical pastor, communications director, staff member, whatever your role is listening to this. Uh, so I want to acknowledge, like, I get that. You are in the weeds right now, and... 
your job is incredibly hard. That's one of the reasons why I'm glad I don't do it full time anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you listen to this, I, I would just encourage you to, to step back and think about some of those long plays that you could do that maybe doesn't get the splash that Wes is talking about, but actually if you look at the grand scheme of things as your church is in your community for the next 20, 30 years or whatever it is, how can you develop that reputation as a church of being people who really care about others and love them regardless of who they are or what they've done? And switching gears to the next piece of this on how we communicate online, because if outreach and service is the long game, then how we communicate online is what we can probably change this week and see an impact. So Wes, my question to you as we get started on this section of the episodes, what does it look like to show empathy in our online communication? So, uh, man, it's about how, how do you how do you make it personal? You know, um, so many churches are, I mean, all the data says that there's a lot of churches that aren't very, that aren't giants, right? We're familiar with a handful of giants, the Elevation, North Point, um, Gateway, Life Church. I mean, you know, there's some big ones, but the vast majority of churches are not huge. But the way those churches have grown and the way those churches have been healthy is through relationships, through personal interactions between staff and, yeah, or, you know, pastors and staff and uh, members and all that kind of stuff and really getting out there. So one thing to think about is how do you turn social media, for example, in your online presence into a relational tool? And so I think about uh, one thing I think could happen a lot more that churches could do pretty easily is something like a Facebook Live where, uh, you know, your senior pastor, youth pastor, whoever it is, just gets on and says, hey, for 15, you know, for the next 15 minutes, I'm just going to talk through something I'm learning and that I'm that it's been kind of getting at me recently. I'm preparing to teach on this on Sunday or Wednesday night for our students or whatever, something I've really been learning and something I've been challenged by. Uh, and just those kinds of things, pulling the curtain back a bit, and, and letting people know what you're learning, how you're growing, what you're de- how you're developing and showing uh, what's happening in your own life makes a huge difference. It's making, every, it's making your staff and your leadership and your, your pastors feel accessible and feel human and talk about what they're learning and where they're growing. Um, and that's one of the biggest ways I think you could do it on your website. It's, um, that was all social media. On your website, it's use more casual language than you're probably accustomed to. Um, you know, I know Jonathan, you've talked about before and you and I've talked about another, you know, offline about the need for content, particularly the language on your website to be focused on what the potential reader is going to want to know. So be a little more casual, acknowledge people's, uh, anxieties about going to church. Maybe they have a bad background in church. Maybe they've had bad experiences with Christians, um, you know, whatever it is, acknowledge those anxieties. Sometimes by just acknowledging what's already there can bring a huge sense of relief to uh, the people you're trying to reach. And then it lets people know, hey, they really get it. Like they understand, they really do understand me and what I'm looking for. Or they understand me and, and some of my hesitations about this. Doing that kind of stuff makes a huge difference. Again, it goes back to the idea, like we want to let people know we understand what they're going through and that we care about them enough to walk them through it. Uh, Next spring, I'm actually going to do either one or two episodes on what's called the curse of knowledge. Hmm. And it's the idea that there's so many things that we do that 
we, because we're in it every day or because we've been in church our entire life, that we just assume everybody else knows. But yeah. if someone isn't in church or hasn't been in church in forever, they don't know what to expect. So walking into a church building to a church service is going to be super awkward. So on your what to expect page, having something as simple as, hey, we know coming to a new church is awkward. We're going to do and then just spell out exactly what the service looks like. Mm -hmm. When you get here, you can check your kids in. Once service starts, we'll do three or four songs. Uh, we'll have a time of announcements where church members will give an offering. You're not expected to do that. And then we'll hear a 30 to 40 minute sermon or teaching. I would even use teaching, not sermon um, from our pastor. And then we'll close with a reflective song uh, before leaving out for the week. You've just hmm. told, you've taken down all the barriers because now walking in, someone knows exactly what to expect for the service. Um, it's letting them know you're not going to single them out when you get there. Um, one thing that one of the churches I work with, they've done is they put an agreement plan. Hmm. Um, we're working through it right now, but basically there the three things that they're putting in their agreement plan is we're not going to make you feel guilty for being far from God. We're not going to pretend and we don't expect you to either. And we'll meet you where you are because we believe God will meet you there too. Hmm. And that right there tells us someone, okay, they're not going to judge me for being different. They, like Wes was saying a few minutes ago, they're real people going through real things. Uh, so I think the big thing with communicating online is letting people know you understand where they're coming from, mm -hmm. whether it's showing and pulling back the curtain. I, I've always said that in social media, pull back the curtain as much as you can, let people know you're real and then let them know you're, you know, what they're going through. Mm -hmm. uh, the hard thing about being on church staff, um, and this is a soapbox I could get onto, so I'm going to try to say it really quickly. <laughs> Our world in the, when we're on church staff is a thousand percent different than the people we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. The people you're trying to reach think about church for the one hour they're there on Sunday and maybe the night before as they go to bed and figure out what time they have to wake up on Sunday morning. Yeah, That's all they're thinking about it. And so we don't, as church staff people, we don't understand what they're, the anxiety that they're going through, that the, the weirdness of it. Um, we're going to move on to the next little piece of this, and that is our Sunday service. We, we touched on a little bit there, but what does it look like to show empathy in our Sunday service? So people have decided they're going to take a chance on us. They're going to show up on a Sunday morning. How can we show that we love and understand, love them and understand where they're coming from once they get there on a Sunday morning? Um, it, it's, it's, it's what you just said. It's making them feel understood. It's not trying to project anything on them and uh, not trying to make the conversation about you. We went, we visited a church in the area back in the summer and literally the first two people I spoke with were, is the preschool director. And then I guess one of the like check-in volunteers or whatever. And our youngest at the time uh, isn't really, it wasn't really a huge fan of new people. It takes him a while to, took him a while to warm up the folks he was losing his mind man he just wasn't having it 
And so we're there trying to get him settled so we can go into the service. And my wife's in there with, with him in the room trying to get him situated. And um, uh, the preschool director and this volunteer both talked to me. And the first question they had me, asked me was, hey, what's your name? The second question they asked me was, literally, how did you hear about us? And I thought, what a terrible question. Like, it doesn't matter how I heard about you. Not tell me what you do, you know, tell me about your family, where are you from, none of that stuff. How did you hear about us? So what it instantly signaled to me is they're maybe not interested in me that much, right? What we, we empathy comes from people feeling like they're interested in us. So how can you train, say, your greeters or your first impressions or I sometimes want to call them first responders, which isn't right, but <laughs> like to train the people to make it about train your greeters, whatever you want to call them to make it about the people. So if they're, um, you know, empathy sometimes is not, is not even the stuff you say, if you've got a family coming in with kids and the kids look like they're losing it or mom and dad, or mom or dad have their hands full, hold the door open, acknowledge they're there, offer to help. Signage is actually one of the biggest ways I think you can show empathy to people because it's you saying, hey, I understand you have no clue where to go. Let me make this as easy as humanly possible. And on your signage, make sure you're you're not using your cute kids ministry names, but you're actually saying birth to kindergarten or whatever it might be. And it's amazing what you can learn by walking around your campus for 15 minutes on a Monday morning and just saying, hey, if I was new and didn't know where to go, would I know how to get there on my own? The answer is, I'll tell you, the answer is no, you don't, <laughs> because most people don't think about signage. So there's things like that where we can be really clear. And then in the service, um, I just, you know, especially if you have like a welcome time announcements, whatever, just acknowledge what people are thinking about. Hey, for those of you who are new here, we're so glad you decided to join us. Let me tell you what's going to happen in today's service. I, uh, I, when I worked for a nonprofit down in Orlando, I've never heard a church do that, honestly. I, I was at a church who did it. And so they would do, they always had an opening song and then they'd have somebody, not the senior pastor, but somebody else come up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm Wes. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you, you could make it this morning. Um, you know, boy, this is our church. This is what we're about. The mission statement. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing a few more songs and then they would kind of give a one or two sentence statement as to why they sing. Then we're going to take up an offering. There's no expectation that you give anything at that point in the service. This is a time for us to, to give back to God what he's so generally, generously given to us so that we can do, um, so that we can reach more people in our community and around the world. Then our pastor is going to come up and, and teach for about 40 minutes. Here's what we're currently going through. As far as the teaching series, here's what he's talking about today. And then at the end, here's how we're going to close out. I mean, literally, they would go take their six, 60 seconds and walk through the order of service. And partly, it's also a great way to continue training your regular attendees. Why do we give? Why do we sing? What are we learn? What's the sermon today if they were out last week? Like, it's a great thing for everybody to help set expectations and acknowledge what people are dealing with. Um, so it's, it's I actually never understood the need for like the order of service in a bulletin because growing up, I didn't have it until um, there was a discussion in one of the Facebook groups a couple months ago about if people needed it or not. And so I really, I, I just read through it. I'm like, oh, you people are crazy. Why would you ever want to put that in a bulletin? Why do you need to promote the order of service? And then as I'm reading through, I'm like, I'm reading the responses of, well, it really helps me because I get anxious if I don't know what's going on or mm -hmm. I have a kid who is autistic and for him to know exactly what's coming, 
he responds better for that or whatever. And it started clicking to me. Like it goes back to the curse knowledge thing. I just take for granted that church has always been a couple songs offering sermon and a song. Like that's what I grew up on. So that's what I always expected. But for people who don't grow up in that context or one of a thousand different things, having that order of service really helps them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, there's so many ways, again, with signage, with just saying it <laughs> by telling people, again, it comes back to thinking through the people who are coming who may be new or not regular tenders yet. What questions do they have? What concerns do they have? And then how can you address those and ease those concerns so that they feel good about moving about, uh, about being there and they feel like you understand where they're coming from and that you're really there to help them. And one of the things that, it's a hard balancing act is with your greeters as they meet new people. Cause if you're Wes, have you ever been a greeter in a church? <laughs> no, man. In college, I was a greeter at my church and it's to this day, it was 10 years ago, but it was my favorite role I've ever had in church was just holding the door, welcoming people to church. Um, but as a greeter, you get to know who's a regular and you start to understand what the facial expressions are of someone who's walking in for the first time. Um, you can just see the apprehension and the anxiety on their face and walking that balance of letting them know you care about them and you're excited for them to be there without pouncing on them. Like you use car salesman, mm -hmm. um, like a shark with blood in the water or whatever. Uh, it's a hard balance to strike. And one thing that, uh, story brand does a really good job talking about is to do things at the rate of relationship. Hmm. Don't go from, Hey, new person just stepped out of the car. I spotted them to asking for their social security number and their debit card number, but take the time, ask them their name. Like you were talking about earlier. Um, ask them the, the basic questions you would ask someone that you met at a dinner party. Mm -hmm. Hey, what's your name? Like, how long have you lived here? Um, those basic things don't get into the weeds of like super personal questions unless they open up and the conversation goes there. But try to be friendly without being overbearing mm -hmm. um, and ask a couple questions to help find what they need. So, mm -hmm. hey, how old are your kids? Oh, they're four and seven. Oh, well, okay, cool. So when you get in the building, you'll take a left when you first get in. You'll see a sign that says this, but you'll take a left, and our kids check in for our four to seven-year-olds is over to the left, and they'll be able to help you with everything there. Hmm. You've just solved their problem without them even telling you, hey, I don't know where to go. Once you get on campus, those are the three things that you need to do to show empathy. You need to have signage that tells people where to go, Greeters who know how to interact with people at the rate of relationship and not come across too aggressive. And you need to be able to tell people what they can expect during the weekend service. That is it for episode five. Uh, we ran long with Wes, so no quick tip with Kyler this week. Kyler will actually be in with us all episode next week. So uh, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Uh, go ahead and rate and review us as well. If you have any questions, you can reach out on Twitter at Jonathan underscore Carone or at our website, solvingproblemspodcast.com. But that's it for this week. We will see you next week. 